0: Welcome to the prolific teaching ministry of Pastor Emanuel Iren, lead pastor of Celebration Church International. It is his vision to partner with you for your progress and joy in the faith. Ready, set, grow. This month, we're going to be talking about love. Love from a biblical standpoint and We have dedicated the Sundays to talk about the love of Christ as it pertains specifically to our romantic relationships, but we took this last Sunday and we are taking all the midweek services to discuss something more fundamental and something that will influence our romantic relationships because the biblical perspective to love is entirely different, you have to understand that. One example that pertains to this, and I use very often, is what I call the scoreboard principle. When you're playing the game of basketball, for instance, you may feel tempted to focus on the scoreboard to be sure you're winning, but the irony is, the more you take your eyes off the scoreboard and focus on the game, the more likely the scoreboard is to favor you. Do you understand what I'm saying? So if you want to really focus on the scoreboard, the best way to do that is to focus on the game and actually ignore the scoreboard. And so there are some things that if we focus on, it will filter in and affect every other aspect of our lives. And that's why you cannot really have a biblical perspective to teaching romantic relationships without fundamentally talking about the love of God in Christ, who we are in Him. And that's why all midweek services this month, we are treating and addressing the believer's love walk. Can you say that we made the believer's love walk? And it's so crucial. It's so important. You see, something interesting happened at the mouth of transfiguration. Jesus was there with three of his disciples and all of a sudden they saw visions of Moses and Elijah and these guys were so thrilled by the experience as Jewish boys. These guys were their heroes and now they see Moses and Elijah. They couldn't get over it and so right after that experience when they Got down, they tried to enter a city to go and preach, and they wouldn't let them in. And so one of them said, Call down, call down fire like Elijah to consume these people. And Jesus responded in a very profound way. First of all, he said, made it clear, he didn't come. To destroy the world, but that men through him might be saved. To give his life a ransom for many. And he said to him, "He said, 'You don't know what spirit you are of. A local parlance that means you don't know who you don't know who gave birth to you. You don't know who born you or something like that.' And we want to talk about the love nature of God this evening. The love nature of God." Before we talk about our love walk, to set the pace for the entire month, we want to talk about the love nature of God. Because the more we discover and discern his nature, the more we see ourselves in him. Hallelujah. And so that's so crucial. We need to know the son of whom we are. The son of whom we are, the children of whom we are. Praise the Lord. So, just again, just in case you just came in, once again, we're taking every midweek service this month to talk about the believer's love walk. And by way of introduction today, we're talking about the love nature of God. Turn your Bibles to the book of James, the book of James, chapter 1, and verse 17. James, chapter 1, verse 17. It says, Every good gift and every perfect gift is from above and cometh down from the Father of light, with whom is no variableness, neither shadow of turning. Everybody read James chapter 1 verse 17 together. One, two, go. Hallelujah. If you've been in this church for as long as two years, you'll remember that two camp meetings ago... That's the Reboot Camp of 2018. This was the anchor text for all the teaching series. Fundamentally, we spent the entire camp meeting expounding on this verse. And this is so crucial. The first thing that you catch your attention here is that he calls God light. Metaphorically, he is light. And it's a popular metaphor in the word of God for the goodness of God. He is light. The Bible says in 1 John chapter 1, verse 5, 1st John chapter 1, verse 5, this then is the message which you have heard of him, and declare unto you that God is light, in him is no darkness at all. And James corroborates that and says, Every good and every perfect gift is from above and comes down from the father of light with whom is no in neither shadow of turning god is light because god is good the bible says there is no darkness in him at all and not only is he good every good gift comes from him listen when you observe nature you will realize if you are looking from from the lens of revelation that there is nothing good in nature that self-originated. Did you hear what I said? There is nothing good in nature that self-originated. Every good gift and every perfect gift is from above and comes down from the Father of lights. Not only is he light, and don't forget what I said about light, he is light, meaning he is good, in him is no darkness at all, meaning there is no evil in God. No evil in God. Oh, Are you listening to me? No evil in God. You discern Him, past, present, future, no evil. He has never done evil. He would never do evil. This is His nature, His character, His light. He's consistent, consistently light, eternally light. It's such an important conviction to have. Many times you may not have all the questions, but here is something you can know God is light. Let me tell you this. I was listening to one of my favorite theologians, you know, and then he said this. He's also an apologist. And he said, every Christian is free to have the conviction that God is good even regarding questions he has no answers to our perspective and blindly so is that God is good. Unapologetically, God is good. I don't use apologetics to discover that God is good, to believe God is good. I believe he is good first. And apologetics, objective apologetics proves his goodness. You you have to understand this. Is Our relationship with God is faith-based. We believe this. The word says it. I believe it. That settles it. Settles it forever. He's good. Maybe I'm dwelling on this for someone here. He's good. He's always been good. You may not always see it, but he's always good. Which leads me to the next few things I want to talk about. Not only is he good, he's called father of light. You see, in Genesis chapter 1, the Bible gave, you know, an account of the creation of the earth. And in verse 16, the Bible says, and God made two great lights. The greater light to rule the day and the lesser night lights to rule the night. You know, so this, when the Bible says God is father of lights. He's trying to insinuate metaphorically that there are other lights and then there is the lights. The father amongst them. So there might be other things you can look in the world and say, oh, that's good and this is good. But he's the father of goodness. Are are you with me? So there is good and then there is God. He's excellent in goodness. He's the father of lights. Father of light. Not only is he good, he's excellent in goodness. Say, thank you, Jesus. He's the father of lights. Meaning, he is goodness in his perfection. You will never see any better definition of good. Father of lights. Like the sun dominating the planetary space, God is father in the arena of goodness. Nothing else comes close. So this is a clear metaphor. He's picturing God as the sun compared to other sources of light. How else do we know this? He says, with him is no variableness, no shadow of turning. Oh, beautiful. No shadows with God. He never has some bad days, some mood swings where he decides to be bad. You know, he's good, but even good people have bad days. Not with God. Are you with me? You know, in other religions, in in one particular religion, you hear about the yin, yang, white and black symbolizing light and darkness, good and evil, all intertwined, and they have that relationship, and they try to opine that there is evil, evil, in good and good in evil, not the God of the Bible. You have to understand this. With him is no variableness, no shadow of turning. Hallelujah. Always good. Excellently good. Consistently good. You know, when we were growing up in elementary science, we were taught that the sun rises in the where? East and sets where? You know, but growing up, we discovered that that's wrong. Totally wrong. The sun does not rise. The sun does not set. The sun does not move. Who does the moving? We do the moving. The planet that we're in does the moving. And so, When there is darkness, it's not because the sun went dim. It's because we backed the sun. This is so important. The sun does not set. If there was darkness, it's not because the sun went to bed. It's because we backed the sun. The darkness came from our position. And the same way, he he likens this to the Lord. He says, with him is no variableness, no shadows. If there is a shadow in your perception of God and his goodness, that shadow comes from your position, your lens. There is something wrong. You've heard the wrong sermon. You've interpreted your experiences wrongly. Maybe someone told you that it's God that made your mom sick or killed your father, and it's wrong because he's consistently good. Are you with me? If you ever study God and find anything that seems dark or evil, the problem is not God. The problem is your lens. Because like the sun, he is consistently shining, beaming excellently. Unlike the sun, he's beaming eternally. So why is it that we have night and day? Because we are revolving. (laughs) We are revolving. Maybe the fluctuations are from your mind. You've not studied properly. So sometimes you see his goodness for what it is, and sometimes you are not looking in the right direction. You're like, is he good? Is he good? And that's where the darkness comes from. For he's always good, consistently good, excellently good. Say loud amen if you believe that. Amen. James says God is the father of light. He says with him, there is no variableness, no shadow of turning. And as it pertains to our context tonight, the Bible tells us categorically in 1 John chapter 4, verse 8, it says God is love. God is love. In fact, when we say God is good, we are describing the quality of his love, the expression of his love. Because God is love. There is no hate in God, no hatred in God. He is love. Once again, we are studying about the love nature of God. there are so many aspects to this one very crucial aspect in, in discerning the love nature of God is that God is always initiating when it comes to love he's never the one playing catch up he's never the one responding he's always outdoing in love always this is so simple and so powerful you know one of the one of my favorite songs says, you did not wait for me to cry out to you before you clothe yourself in frail humanity. I'm forever grateful for the cross. Think about it. The moment you realized that you were a sinner, you will never attain the righteous status by your own efforts and by your own goodness. You will never be good enough to qualify by your own merits for a relationship with the Father, the moment you realize that you are doomed eternally to hell by your own actions, you also realized that the provision for salvation was already available and free. Do you understand what I'm saying? He never left us hopeless. When we discovered our need for salvation we discovered also that the provision was already there. This is so important. So important. He's proactive in his love. Proactive. Proactive. In your human relationships, you might get to a point where, you know, you're at a crossroad and then you have to talk about it and say, okay, so what do we do now? Not God. He's Jaira. He has anticipated all your needs in the future. He has met them already. Met them. So there will never be a time, even in the future, where you will have to question his love. Praise the name of the Lord. I can preach all day on these very points. Look at what the Bible says in 1 John chapter 4, verse 10. This is so good. First John chapter four verse ten. It says, "Hearing is love." This is the definition of love. This is this is a perspective to love. Hearing is love, not that we loved God, but that He loved us. We're talking about the love nature of God. He didn't wait for you. He loved us. He sent His Son to be propitiation for our sins. This is love. Not that we love God, but that he loved us. The Bible says he chose us in him before the foundation of the world. Meaning before the earth was created. Before the first man was formed. Before the first man even fell. Long before then, he chose us in him before the foundation of the world to be holy and without blame before him in love. He predestined us to the adoption of children by Jesus Christ to himself. According to the good pleasure of his will that's the God we're talking about hallelujah 1 John 419 I said it that way so you'll remember the Bible says we love him because he first loved us hallelujah Say that with me, we love him because he first loved us. Say that again, we love him because he first loved us. So, the summation of our Christian devotion is response. We are responding. We are responding. This is, when you're talking about the love nature of God, this, this is a crucial point that everything you will ever bring to the table is simply a response of his generosity. love so generous you can never meet up to. So all you're doing is to receive, to appreciate what he has done. Hallelujah. It's a response. He wants us to respond. It has always been about a response. You know, when you look at the law of Moses, it seems, you know, like we were on equal playing fields. God is saying, do this and I will do this. And I'll be faithful. Some people think that God was wicked and bad in the Old Testament and then he changed in the New Testament. But don't forget, in Him is no variableness, no shadow of turning. He has always been the same, and He has always been good. Praise the name of the Lord. I don't really have time to dwell on this. I spent a whole camp meeting talking about this. All the conundrums, all the you know the questions, the major questions that people have. The question about Job. What about Job? The question about the flawed. In the time of Noah, I answered all those questions. I don't know if the sermons are even available. Are they they available? Some of them? All right. (laughs) Okay. You know, so we don't want to go into that now. But God is consistent in His goodness. And when you look at the law of Moses, you think He's requiring something. If I'll be faithful, if I'll be good then this is what you must do. But think about it. He brought them out of Egypt. What did he require before he brought them out? Nothing. Nothing. He brought them out of Egypt because of his promise to Abraham to fulfill his word. Not because they prayed. Not because they they, they recognized him as God they asked him to to intervene remember he had to give Moses tips on how to persuade them so that they would even buy the idea at all do you remember what I'm considering what I'm saying when they were before the Red Sea what prayer did they pray think about it what prayer did they pray was it their faith that moved God to part that Red Sea no, it wasn't. In fact, they were saying all the wrong things. Nonsense. Is This where you brought where you brought us here to die. You know, were there no graves in Egypt that you brought us here to die? You know, they were saying all kinds of things. Moses at least was better, but even he himself, you know, God had to tell him, what, what is this? Move forward. Hallelujah. So we see God initiated to hope thing and so now when they went to the wilderness now he tells them you saw how I bore you on eagle's wings he says now do this he was expecting them to respond to respond even under the law as imperfect as it was it was a response it was meant to be a response Praise the Lord. I mean, he literally saved your life. He brought you out of slavery. And now he's just basically saying, respond. So the same way, in Christ, we see the goodness of God and we respond. That's what he wanted the children of Israel to do. To just think, to just think and say, wow, look at what he did in Egypt brought us out of the mighty hand, parted the Red Sea, preserved us in the wilderness, wouldn't we worship this God? That was what he wanted. So throughout the Bible, we see God in his love consistently showing goodness, showing kindness, and asking us to respond. He never waited for man to initiate anything. Never. In fact, we don't have the intelligence, we don't have the capacity to initiate anything. We don't. H- how do you start? How do you even know God if he doesn't reveal himself? You come to Matthew chapter 22, verse 35. Still a commentary on the law of Moses. Moses. Matthew twenty-two thirty-five. 35, the Bible says, Then one of them, which was a lawyer's lawyer, asked him a question, tempting him, and sinned. I'm saying, I'm tired, sorry. <laughs> asked him a question, tempting him, and saying, Master, which is the great commandment in the law? Of all the ten, which is the greatest? So he was probably expecting he would pick one. Ah, don't covet what belongs. Do you know the Ten Commandments? Do you know the- tear a sheet of paper? <laughs> the most dreaded sentence in school. Tear a sheet. Of paper. Do you know the Ten Commandments? Do you know them? You know all of them. Okay, actually tear a sheet of paper. Do you know them? You know all 10 of them? Wow, you guys are so deep. (laughs) Praise the Lord. I told them in Abuja, I'm not sure I know 10 of them, but I was joking. (laughs) All right. So, in Matthew chapter 22, verse 35, which is the great commandment in the law, then Jesus responds in a way they never anticipated he would respond. The Bible says... He said unto them, thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind. And you're like, how is this amongst the ten? It says the second is like unto it, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. And the interesting thing is, pay attention to this. You see, when you're reading the old covenant, the old testament, it's just like God is saying you shall not, you shall not, you shall not rules and regulations. But Jesus brilliantly helped them see something. The first five commandments were all about the love of God. Don't use the name of God in vain. Don't have any other God besides me. All of them are summarized the way he put it. Love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your mind. That was the point, the motive of everything. And then the rest of the five, the remaining five, love for the neighbor. And so this is Jesus' perspective to the Ten Commandments. Love for God, love for the neighbor. It was always about love. Please, are you with me? It was always about love. The challenge for us to respond to the love of God by loving him back and loving our neighbors too. That's what it was about. So you, you want to know what is the great commandment of the law? Love. That's the point of everything. It's love. Paul taught the same thing as well. Look at Galatians chapter 5, verse 14. Galatians chapter five verse fourteen. Thank you, Jesus. Open your Bibles. Galatians five fourteen. Are you there? Read it together. One, two, go. It says, for all the law is fulfilled in one word. Even in this, thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. Praise the Lord. So it turns out it was always about love. All God wants is for us to respond with faith that works by love and to love. Our neighbors as well. To know him and love him, and make him known so that others can love him too. Did you hear that? To know him and love him, and to make him known so that others can love him too. Th- that's all he wants. He has initiated, demonstrated his love forever. And all is requiring that we do is that we respond. Say loud amen. Now let's talk about the epicenter of the demonstration of the love of God, the centerpiece of the demonstration of the love of God, the sacrifice of His Son, Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. Paul was given a commentary on that sacrifice in Ephesians chapter 2. He says that in the ages to come, verse 7, he might show the exceeding riches of his grace and his kindness towards us in Christ. Meaning, the death of Jesus, the giving of Jesus as a sacrifice for our sins, will become an everlasting demonstration of the Father's love. Everlasting Everlasting. We don't get to doubt anymore. Eternally, we can look at the cro- at the cross and say, "Indeed, I know for sure that God loves me." So that's the epicenter of the demonstration of God's love, and we just want to look at this. You know, he said something in very interesting in John chapter thirteen. Turn your Bibles, John chapter thirteen. We still have a lot to cover. John chapter thirteen verse 34 John chapter 13 verse 34 he says a new commandment I give you that you love one another as I have loved you that you also love one another verse 35 by this all will know that you are my disciples if you have love one for another, I have a lot to say about this, but let me ask you this. He says, a new commandment give I unto you. Question, based on all that I've been saying, was was the commandment of love a new commandment? Some of you are not sure. Was it a new commandment? No. I just showed you that was the point of the law. All the law was fulfilled in one word. One word love so why did he call it new why did he call it new two things two reasons i'm not saying there are only two but two come to mind and you must bear two in mind listen before now we've talked about the father's love nature generally his love his initiating love and all through the bible all mankind has ever been required to do is to respond to his love. And that's great already. Mankind already had enough reason to love God before Christ. And now, God took on flesh, dwelt amongst us, died for us. Ah, it's a new commandment. (laughs) The commandment might have been there before, but now the stakes are different. I said for two reasons. Number one reason, hallelujah. The sacrifice of Christ bestows on us the responsibility to love. The sacrifice of Christ bestows on us. The responsibility to love like nothing else. Like nothing else does. The sacrifice of Christ bestows on us the responsibility to love like nothing else does. Number two, the redemptive work of Christ has empowered us to love by the Holy Ghost. The redemptive work of Christ has empowered us to love by the power of the Holy Ghost. Hallelujah. So now, unlike any other people group in creation, we are born at a time where we have no excuse. Hallelujah. Listen, you will be held accountable if you receive the love of God in Christ and refuse to reciprocate. You can't do that. That will be the greatest robbery known to mankind. You can't afford to do that. Oh, yes, other people had reason to love God, but now blood has been shed for you and you have received that sacrifice. It's a new commandment. Not new in the details of his requirement but knew in terms of why it must be done. (laughs) Are you with me? Blood was shared for you. And now from that moment on you keep saying, the Bible keeps telling you, love as Christ also loved. The stakes are different now. As Christ, as God in Christ loved you. You must love. As God and Christ loved you, you must love. You see, the Bible tells us a parable in Matthew chapter 18. I like these parables because they paint a perfect picture of the expectations of of God, especially when you understand them as they should be understood. Matthew 18 from verse 23. The Bible talks about a certain king who had servants and he called them to give accounts. And when he balanced the accounts, he discovered that one of the servants was owing 10,000 talents. Now, when you read this in King James' language, you will not understand what we're talking about. But people have done the estimation, 10,000 talents in today's money is $15 million. Did you hear what I said? 15? What will you be like if you were owing $15 million? For avoidance of doubt, how much is $15 million in Naira? I want you to actually calculate it. Calculate any evil guy in the congregation. Mm, nah, it is you know. Why you telling? Tell me now. You tell your neighbour. Eh? Yeah? Five point four billion naira. I just imagine you are owing five point four billion. Are you with me? Listen you will understand the story in a different light when you understand how much we are talking about. So he was owing $5.4 billion and the master said, what? Well, there are ways this money can be gotten. In those days, if you were owing money and you couldn't pay, you will... Were... I don't want to say you'll be sold to slavery, because when you think of slavery, you think of what the Americans did. And that's different. The servitude in the Bible was actually a kind of employment. So I don't have the money to give you, so I will work for you. And, you know, work the money's worth. Are you with me? So now they said, well, you can't pay. Don't worry. You, your wife, your kids, you will work. And, you know, I don't know how many years they will work. you know until you pay that money and the bible says the man fell to the ground and cried and he said please please don't do this i will pay you all i owe listen the master did not say oh okay Don't worry, go. Make sure you work hard. Make sure sure you pay that money. He didn't do that. He did something unbelievable. He said, you know what? Don't worry about the money. I forgive all the debts. I mean, you need to put yourself in the shoes to get it. One moment you were owing 5.4 billion naira. And then someone says, don't worry about it. Ah. What are you going to do? I, I, I mean, no, just tell me. What are you going to do? What, what, what thoughts will you think? How will you behave? So now this guy was excited. He said, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. And then on his way back, he saw someone else who was owing him a modern-day Currency, guess how much? Fifteen dollars. Fifteen dollars, five thousand naira. You had just been forgiven of five point four billion naira. On your way back, you see someone owing you fifteen. You know what he does? He pounces on him and he throws him into prison. praise the Lord you know, some of you are so angry you don't realize I'm talking about you you don't realize this story never happened Jesus made it up to describe how some of you are behaving it's a parable listen He's just showing you the gravity of what you're doing when you choose to remain unforgiving. He's saying, I've forgiven you of so much. And whatever else you think, you know, whatever you think someone has done to you, it's infinitimally insignificant in comparison to the great love and sacrifice in Christ Jesus. I mean, I have gifted you eternal life. Don't you understand? gifted you, gifted you, if you had to pay to live a 100 years, what will you do? If you had to pay to live 500 years, what will you do? And then you discover that eternal life is available, it's available. What do I have to give? What do I have to sell? What, what, just what are the requirements? Only believe. Only believe. He tells you, don't worry, son. Don't worry, daughter. Someone else paid the price. Receive it freely. You're forgiven. Hallelujah. And then, what? No matter how grievous anyone else's offense is, God accuses it to someone owing you fifteen dollars. as big as that offense, that beef that has been rocking your office, rocking your house, rocking your relationship, in comparison, God calls it $15. If he was going to allocate a price to it, (laughs) it's worth $15 compared to what he did for you. So when you read that story, realize that he's talking about you. The fact that you will never have the privilege to be unforgiving again. There are some favors that the moment you receive, it's just like, you know, when when a guy is on your case as a lady, buying you stuff, you can't keep collecting and you you didn't know that he had something in mind. (laughs) He bought you the latest iPhone. iPhone. 11 Pro. Max. <laughs> and then, you know, listen. Every normal human being, the bigger the favor, the more suspicious you are, like, okay, what do you want? What is it? What, what do you want? Say, no, I like you. mm <laughs> What do you want? <laughs> Well, in case you haven't read the memo, in case no one else presented the gospel to you this way, I'm telling you now in the memo of salvation the requirement is if you receive this free, generous gift, this divine gift, you must not maybe sometimes you should no, 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 no. No negotiation about this. You must reciprocate this love to your neighbor. It is no more about the neighbor, about what he did, about the offense. It's about Christ and what he has done. Do you understand what I'm saying? Pastor, you don't know what he did. How can he be owing me $15 and he's posting online? He rubbed it on my face. Seriously? I mean, this is a true story. Like one day, you're going to see Jesus. What explanation for your unforgiving attitude will make sense to him? Do you realize what he did for you? You know, I said this yesterday in the Abuja Church. Can I tell you something? Even if you had the option to save yourself as Christ saved you. Some of us cannot do it. Let's be honest. Yeah, okay, well, we'll give you 40 strokes. When I say 40 strokes, I'm talking about Roman scourging. Eh? Those whips, they had small dumbbells. Are you aware? And they also had spikes. So when they hit you, the spikes will enter. And so when the pool is coming off with your flesh, we'll do that 40 times. I'm not done. Let me tell you something. Okay, forget the crucifixion. Forget the flogging. If all they wanted you to do was to be stripped naked and then they will be, You will walk. That was all. Though. They won't beat you. They will just trip you, and then they will be singing for you. You know. <laughs> you know. You know. God got. Golgotha was the Oshodi of Lagos. You know what I You know. Public place. Do you know your life will never the same? Some people after that they will, they will say, "Kill me. Kill me. Kill me." Listen, I say with all sense of authority, not all of us can do it for ourselves. What he did for us. And he did it for you. He didn't ask you for money. He didn't ask you for anything. He's just saying, you know what? The people around you will not always deserve your love. But I want you to love them as I have loved you. Do we have a deal? That's that's all he's asking they won't deserve it. He, that, he has told you already. You don't deserve what he gave you. So, as, as you didn't deserve it, they also will not deserve it. Show them that love. Forgive. Listen, if you are in Christ, you haven't had one chance. Okay? One chance. One chance, you can see, you you you, you must forgive. Is not <laughs> praise the Lord. Hallelujah! You know, you sing about the love of Christ, overwhelming, never ending, reckless. You know, that's that's the kind of love you must have to praise the name of Jesus. You see, these are things you don't outgrow. Even as your pastor, as I'm sharing this with you, it's blessing me, it's re-educating me. I'm stirring up myself. As often as possible, we must look into the word of God, remind ourselves who He says we are, how we must live our lives. This is who we are. Nudge the person by your side gently. Say, "This is who we are." Yeah. Say, he forgave, "He forgave you of much." Let that five k go. Let that. 5K go. <laughs> He's like I'm helping some of you, happy. <laughs> Better pay back your money. <laughs> pay back. hallelujah. So repeatedly, the Bible says, even as Christ forgave you. One other text says, as God in Christ forgave you, forgive. Now we come to the second reason. Talks about the enabling power of the Holy Spirit. The enabling power of the Holy Spirit. He has taken off the stony heart from our flesh. He has given us a heart of flesh. Now our propensity is to love. Our propensity is to forgive. Our propensity is to be kind, to be generous. The Bible says the fruit of the Spirit is. This is is the evidence of the influence of the Spirit. Love, joy, peace. Gentleness. Hallelujah. Don't accept any temperament. You just say, oh, this is mine. You know, you use those things to excuse carnal propensities. Mm-mm. You are a believer in Christ. You are a new man in Christ. You are not choleric. You are a new man in Christ. Hallelujah. Don't say, that's how I am. Mm-mm. That's not how you are. You are a new man in Christ. Even worse, some people will say, you know, my staff, I'm Aquarius. Aquarium me. People that are born when I'm born, they always have unstable relationships. <laughs> say, so I'm a new man in Christ Jesus. I am who God says I am. God says God. Hallelujah. This is so important. It has become a litmus test. You can test, you can observe. Yes, the Bible says, by grace are you saved through faith, that not of yourself is the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. I wasn't there when you heard the gospel and believed, except if you got born again in one of our meetings. But I, I wasn't there. In fact, I wasn't even in your heart to say for sure that you actually really believed the right message. But one thing is sure, even if you are saved by grace through faith, not by works, but every genuine salvation will have works to show. Yes, it is not the works that saved, but the works will be there to show. The works are a product, not the requirements. The fact that we emphasize in teaching the gospel that the works are not a requirement does not mean that the works are not a product. He said we, we were saved by grace through faith, not of works, but in verse 10, Ephesians chapter 2, 8 to 10, he says we are his workmanship. So we are not saved by works, quite all right, but we are his workmanship. We have to see that product. You see, you see, Paul, hey, hey such a brilliant man and such such a great Bible teacher. You know just like some of us, you know there is this air some of us have for this brother or sister in church. that guy that you don't really like. I mean you've not had any outburst, any confrontation, but you know he's just there. like he just I, maybe you don't even greet. You know why it's important we talk about these things? Because if we are not careful, we will go on just finding our devotion whilst accommodating a lot of contradiction. We need to remind ourselves. Are you with me? So, so the great Philemon, an apostle, I I, I don't have time to tell you why I think he was. There was a guy he had something against. With good reason. Naturally speaking, with good reason. This guy was working for him. And some historians say he ran away with his money. Now, that, that thing is painful. It's painful. That's happened to me. Hallelujah. There's a guy who was working with, is it Last Man Now or oh, um, FRSC? Sorry, I'm not enthusiastic about this nation anymore. Don't worry, I'm, I'm, I'm praying for the, Pray for the nation. You know, so he, was, he, he used to help, you know, do. Renew vehicle license, you know, particulars. He has done it for my mother-in-law once. He's done it for me and stuff. And he left the company. He didn't tell me. So once I just called him up, hey, I need this thing. Sent him the money. This was years ago. And Baba absconded. Praise the Lord. You know, when... You know, when you're holding on to scriptures, bless and curse not. But when things like this happen, you just want to swear for him. One thunderous swear. It's a lot. At the time, I had money. It wasn't really a problem, but I just felt, ah, me. That's the thing. Many times it's our ego. Ah, me. Nami, you want, want Ba lie. lie. So I'd already try to make some contact with some soldiers to pick him. The thing is this. What I would have spent to get him is more than the money I sent him. I just wanted to show him. And you know, when, when, when you're doing all those things, sometimes God is watching you. You're, I don't know how discernment works for you, but Like, (laughs) she's just like, you don't want to talk about it with the Holy Spirit. Like, just just, Lord, just allow me. Allow me. (laughs) Praise the Lord. Don't we all go through stuff like this? I'll show you a little. Let him. I was already fantasizing how I will look at him. (laughs) I say, in your life. (laughs) He stole my money. (laughs) So Philemon and Onesimus had this issue. And Paul said, let our fellowship meaning. Well, I believe the gospel. I have the Holy Spirit. These are the signs to show, the fruits to show. I walk in love. I walk in forgiveness. You claim to believe. You claim to have the same Holy Spirit. Let it show. It says, let our koinonia in the faith be effectual so that I can acknowledge every good thing that is in you in Christ. So it was a private faith and conviction but it should be a public acknowledgement. Do you understand what I'm saying? I should be able to see it. I should be able to see it. He said, if we have any cornonia in the faith, show this. Show this. On one 1.6. Hallelujah. Let our, our, our fellowship in the faith become evidence let people see it and acknowledge every good thing that is in you in Christ. A lot of people have thought it was you acknowledging, (laughs) but that's not what he's saying. And the context will prove it. Praise the Lord. Let our koinonia, the Greek word translated communication is actually koinonia. The Greek word translated communication is actually koinonia. Fellowship. We have something in common, don't we? Is it the same Holy Spirit that Jesus gave the church? The same Holy Spirit I have that you have? And you want to do this? Let it be effectual. To the acknowledging of every good thing that is in you in Christ. Praise the Lord. Your confession of faith gives us the right to hold you accountable. To say, ah, You will not forgive Bawa. You are joking. Oh, you hug each other. No time. (laughs) Move, move on. Let's. (laughs) Hallelujah. Listen. Don't just laugh throughout this sermon without practicing. So there are some people you must let go now let go, let's go, let's go. Release them. You, see, you have kept yourself in bondage. Before you sleep, they're on your mind. When you wake up, as you open your eye, they're on your mind. Someone described forgiveness, metaphorically, as going to a prison to release someone you kept locked, only to realize it was yourself that you locked. Because when you beef, you put yourself in bondage. I've given this analogy because it happens many times. You are beefing the person. It is, it's a lot of work to beef for. You block the person. You now open another account to still be checking the person. Leave lights. Hallelujah. Have you ever blocked someone but you still want to, in your heart of it, you still want to see what the person is up to? Now nah, everybody's pretending they don't know what I'm saying. Live light. What he is requiring that you do, he has empowered you to do. So, now, when you stand before Jesus, there are two major things to remember. Number one, he showed you great example. Number two, he gave you great power. So, what will you tell him if you don't do it? What will you tell him? Remember, if you think about what they did to you, you will never forgive. But if you consider that God in Christ forgave you, then you will. As long as you keep dwelling on what happened, you will not forgive. As long as you keep dwelling on what they did, you will not forgive. The way to function in forgiveness is to dwell on what Christ has done. When you dwell on what Christ has done, nothing will be too hard to forgive. Listen, I'm not saying it's easy. I'm saying you are in grace to do what I'm saying. You've gone through sexual abuse, you can forgive. Emotional heartbreak, you can forgive. You were duped, you can forgive. Feel free to take legal action. You know why? Why? You know why? So that they won't do it to others. If you don't take legal action where you can, you're not walking in love. Yes. Yes. Sir, I forgive you as you go to prison. I want you to make sure. (laughs) They're laughing there. You don't hear what I'm saying. I want you to make sure that you change. Change. Jesus died for you. praise the Lord very important look at 1st John chapter 2 verse 9 1st John chapter 2 verse 9 everybody read together. One, two, go. Read it again. One, two, go. Hallelujah. So now I might not have been there to hear your confession of faith, to hear how you believed the gospel, and how you responded with tears, and with joy, and with all of that. But Equivocally and accurately, I can conclude by the consistent patterns in your life. You are in Christ and you hate, you hate, you're in darkness. You know, this is very, very conclusive. It doesn't matter the reason, it doesn't matter the reason. It's darkness. Darkness. This is very crucial. Listen, I, I think at least one in five people have been abused sexually. And its I've told you it's so evil. You know, many of our parents, you know, their, their own parents could not send all the children to school, so they would just send one you know, or two, and then this guy who went to school and is doing well, wants to help his siblings, bring them in to stay in the family. Most of us had one uncle or auntie or three in the house. Am I saying the truth or not? I think at least seven people grew up with us at different points, uncles and aunties, at least seven. And some of them, how do they pay back? By abusing your children. Listen, I, I'm going to take a special time to talk about this. Be wise oh. Be wise oh. Don't say he's my brother. He won't do... Mm-mm. Don't leave your children with anybody. Are you listening to me? That's what strengthens predators. The fact that you won't suspect. He's my brother. Mm-mm. Praise the Lord. uh uh-huh. You watch, you watch. When your daughter says, I want to go and spend the night at our cousin's, are their boys there? (laughs) Okay. Praise the Lord. And so, even if you've not been abused sexually, you know in Africa, we have all been abused, either physically or emotionally. Have you heard the things that some parents tell their children? We have all been abused. In one way or another, on the road, in the bus, in Lagos, you have been abused. (laughs) (laughs) I've been abused. Praise the Lord. You know, I remember I went to a decent school, private university, and everybody's, I thought some people did not have sense there. I didn't know that. (laughs) I didn't know that madness is relative. My first day on IT on the road, I said, Oh my god. Hallelujah. As I entered bus, you know, the guy was <laughs> I don't even want to tell this story. You know, so okay, you want me to shift? Just say, can you can you move a little? Just say, my friend, move, I could slap you. <laughs> so I'm like, ah. You know, I wanted to speak English at first. That, excuse me if you want me to move. You know, and also that this was not working. I'm talking about real life situations. You know, after one or two weeks, you just discover that you two are on the edge. Something has happened to you. Let me tell you, a lot of negotiators leg- are not normal. I didn't know until I went to Abuja. If you stay in Abuja for a while, I'm telling you the truth, even some of you here, the first time I was driving in Abuja, you know, I was just normal driving and honking, someone parked down, looked wound down, why are you honking like that? I said, ah, sorry. <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> oh, you don't do that here. I'm sorry. That one a normal now. You're playing music in the car, you're using the horn to ah <laughs> No ma, why you? you guys are extra in this city. What's going on?' This no. All the drivers they were annoying me. We can't drive. Lagos were rough but we can drive I'm like, ah. Praise the Lord. The way to handle hate is not to hate. That's what I'm trying to say. If you're not careful, you have to start getting hard to protect yourself. Now you're on the edge. You're on the edge. If you move around in this city, you know what I'm saying. You are hard. You have rehearsed how to answer people. (laughs) You have rehearsed how to answer people. Everybody is, everybody is treating this is streets in city. streets. Your eyes don't open. <laughs> Listen, you can be bold, you can be confident, and still flow in the love of God. Hallelujah. I'm not asking you to be a sissy. It's not going to work in Lagos. Do you understand? I'm not asking you to... You, you, <laughs> But at the same time, don't forget who you are. Praise the name of Jesus. He says, Anyone who claims to be in the light and hates his brother is in darkness on, up until now. You know, and a lot of people don't know how to crystallize these simple general points into simple practical points. So let me break it down for you. You see, Something happened, years ago I was in a camp meeting with my parents. Five days of intensive camp meeting, morning, afternoon, night session for five days. The moment we were done, everybody, because there were so many people, everybody wanted to run into the car and go, come and see fights. You are mad, I will beat you. You know, after five days of camp meeting, you know. Will you move this guy? I, the person wounder, I will beat you. I, I will beat you here. I beat you. So I'm like, ah, 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 ah. You know, when this is happening in Oshodi, you say these people need Jesus. But now you're not you're not like, ah, wait till everybody here is coming from there, <laughs> from church. So it's like. Many times we don't see how what we learn is meant to directly affect. Maybe that's why Paul was annoyed and he began to break it down. Said, love is patient. <laughs> Maybe you just say love, you still don't get it. Love is patient. Love is kind. He said, Love does not behave rudely. Many of you are rude, very rude. Hallelujah. Tell the person by your side gently, say, Love is not rude. rude. (laughs) Hallelujah. Don't be rude. Learn to be polite. Learn to say please. Learn to say thank you. Hallelujah. Don't just harass people anyhow. Love is not rude, love is not self seeking. Some people we will never do anything for others except there is something in it for them. I remember, I think my wife was still pregnant for edema. And we were driving, the car broke down. You know, I'm, you know, just normal. Just, and we just went to some guys. And we said, um, sorry, can you help us? We just want to push the car. What did they even say? how much you go give us. You From here to there, you know, some, some people, some of us are like that. Always looking for a way to make money. Some of you, you have lost good opportunities because you were not even patient to so just do the job well. If you had done the job well, they would have given you more jobs. But because of the way you know you were so money-conscious, you jeopardized even more opportunities. More opportunities. Praise the name of Jesus. A good name is better than silver and gold. A good name will give you silver and gold. Hallelujah. When, when, When you have the opportunity to work for anybody, be most concerned about your name, about your reputation. Do it well. Serve people. Learn to serve. You see, can I tell you something? An average Lagosian does not care about anybody. If they are serving you, it's just because they are out of options. They are out of options. At the slightest chance... They will bail on you. Don't be like that. Learn to serve. Praise the Lord. Are you with me? I remember <laughs> you know, I've had a lot of episodes finding the right Baba. Right now, I still don't, I don't know. It's complicated. <laughs> so, but there was, there was this guy that PK recommended. PK. You know, my father-in-law gave me this good gift, a very expensive clipper. So he gave me the clipper, and the guy came, and he cut my hair so well, I was already telling pk like this guy is so talented where his shop is he can't make money you know what let's surprise him let's do something for him let's get him a shop you know around here in the Kejar, set him up and everything he will pay us the capital and he will set him up and we were like okay we will talk about that more now the guy came to cut my hair he saw good clipper and he exchanged it with Do you understand? So, but the annoying thing is it was around that time the Lord spoke for us to go to Abuja. So I went to Abuja confidently, <laughs> prepare for inaugural service, and went to a shop. I do you want to use clipper? Hey, excuse me, I have my clipper. Just opened it and saw. Praise the Lord. Some people, you, you just never know. Now in his mind, he has he has new clipper. He will be using that clipper in his cartoon, in his shop. <laughs> to put this in perspective, I, I say this to the glory of God. I'm not trying to. You know, my barber in Abuja is in Lagos now. I was able to get him a job. Are you getting what I'm saying? Even though that's part of my problems, the, the guy don't know how to barbecue again. As you can see, <laughs> it's a problem. It's okay. Stop looking at the hair. So <laughs> <laughs> Praise the Lord. But it's just this other guy was the opposite. Like, I went to his barber shop. I was so impressed. The guy is so professional. The other guys are talking. He says, sorry, you're disturbing my clients. I said, clients. Baba called me clients. <laughs> I was so impressed. You know? You know? He's cutting my hair. Power went out. He said, I'm so sorry, sir. They'll bring it. They'll put it on the gen now. You know? uh, no, man. I, I cut it. Uh, nepa. Uh, you know? <laughs> you know? And I was noticing... His conversations were intelligent, so brilliant, so, so gentle. Some would be turning your head like this, like yeah, you know. So sorry, so move your head. So I asked him, "Do you have a degree?" He said, "Yes." You know, I'm just doing this because ah. I said, "No, no, no." no. <laughs> Hallelujah. And, and really, that's how relationship works. For some of us we just want to make the money now. One of the most embarrassing days of my life, I went to a shop to buy something. And the person was engaging me. Oh, what do you do? Some pastor of celebration. Celebration church? Ah. One of your church members duped me. <laughs> Actually, I wasn't told directly. Someone, he told someone and the person to I said, oh my god. Praise the lord. Please, I want to beg you. (laughs) Don't even laugh. If you want to be sharing our banner on your Instagram, don't dupe anybody. And don't even do it just for the sake of celebration. Church, Do it for God. Praise the Lord. If If I can't correct you, I'm not your pastor. Stop stealing. You're, 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 tongue-speaking thief. <laughs> Matho, they speaking tongues instead of a thief. Why? Why? Hallelujah. Love is patient. Love is kind. Did you notice the things he's mentioning are fruits of the spirit. So it turns out there is one fruit of the spirit, love. If love is patient, love is kind, love is gentle, that means there is actually one fruit of the spirit. Every other thing stems from love. I want to challenge you. This is just the introduction. Choose to walk in love. If there is anyone you are holding in your heart, please let go. Praise the Lord. Did you learn anything? Please stand to your feet.